This morning's reading is titled, An Ode to Fearless Women by Nikita Gill. I think your bones were made in an elsewhere place. How else does one explain this inconceivable strength that makes you? The way you look into danger's mouth and see no cemetery nor death. Instead, carve your name into its teeth with a switchblade. Defeat it so effortlessly and throw your head back and laugh. Paradox girl, mighty woman, you are the thing that terrifies them. Both monster and maiden, both cure and poison, all of these things, and at the same time, human. Defined by no man, you are your own story. Blazing through the world, turning history into her story. And when they dare to tell you about all the things you cannot be, you smile and tell them, I am both war and woman, and you cannot stop me. An Ode to Fearless Women by Nikita Gill. The poem was a sermon unto itself right there. What a great photo up there. We'll get to that. <laughs> but first, it's good to be back. I cannot possibly begin to list where all of my gratitude extends to this congregation and to those who led and helped this place thrive over these past three months. But I got a lot of Sundays to thank you. So there we go. I, we'll, we'll do that. But to begin with, as I'm still figuring out everything that's happened, all the good and maybe the not so good, uh, but mostly the good, the 98% of good that has happened, 99% of good, let's make it definite almost. I'm grateful to all of you. It feels really good to be back here in this space. I did accomplish a great deal. Of course, there's always more to accomplish, but it was enough, right? I'm okay with enough. I spent a great deal of time training our new dog, a very scrappy year and a half old Catahoula mix named Bowie, after David Bowie. I have a very respectable draft of my dissertation and now I just wait for the new term and submit it and wait for it to get torn apart and revise it and all that good stuff. I submitted a chapter proposal for a book of UU theology that was accepted. So I plan to work on that this summer. <laughs> I won't tell you what it's all about. It probably won't preach too well, but it's about the story of Abraham trying to sacrifice Isaac through a UU lens. Where will we go with that? I don't know. <laughs> uh, and I read a decent stack of science fiction and fantasy novels. But most importantly, I gained very healthy, helpful, grounding perspective on what's next in this chapter of ministry here in Lexington and what that looks like. Chiefly, where should my and our energy go? These past two pandemic years, uh, a lot of you know this, but some of you might not. We saw several clergy, you know, it's been almost every profession, but a lot of clergy burn out and leave and quit ministry, never to return probably. And in our own association, as well as several denominations worldwide, we have a shortage of ministers. You know what? I love being a minister. And I don't want to come to my career's end and look back with disdain. 
I don't want to burn out and leave it and kick it to the curb. And so these past three months were a wonderful opportunity to reckon with all of it. I'll share more of the lessons that I've learned during that time next week. But what I can say is that it was just long enough, and I'm grateful to be back. I know there's new people in our midst, and I look forward to getting to know you. Reach out to me. I'll ask the office. I'll reach out to you. And people that I haven't connected with in over two years, it's time for us to reconnect, maybe get some coffee or something. I'm excited to work with our new board. I'm excited to work. We have an intern minister. That's great. That's wonderful. This congregation has a long history of being a teaching congregation, and it is time again for it to continue this. And I'm excited to help begin the next chapter of religious education and exploration after 20 admirable years of service from Stacy Stone. I'm also excited to say no more often because the minister can't keep telling people to say no when he says yes to everything. And I feel this is more important than anything. I'm excited to only put my energy into what will ensure this community builds upon what is already good so that we remain a life-affirming and life-giving community. Because we need that. More than ever, we need one another now. This year and this past three months underscored that for all of us, I think, I would hope. Because it has been a hell of the past three months, right? The unprovoked attack on Ukraine continues. People are suffering every day at the whims of the totalitarian government of Russia. Our culture of gun violence continues. One commentator summed it up this way with a headline, the United States practices child sacrifice. (laughs) Words designed to shock you. I know they floored me when I read them. I hope they floored you. Over 100 anti-LGBTQ bills have been filed in state houses across our country so far this year. And yesterday, the law widely known as the Don't Say Gay Law in Florida started to take effect. My heart goes out to all of those educators and children who feel silenced, who feel less than worthy, and who feel invisible. And of course, what we are feeling right now with the loss of bodily autonomy for millions of women across our nation with the Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade. Now, we simply don't know what's next. How will this increase suffering? Kentucky right now, women still have some access. How will this change all of our lives, this era of Dobbs, now that Roe is gone? And, you know, I I have to say, I say appreciate with a grain of salt here, but I do appreciate Justice Clarence Thomas because he made himself very clear. They don't want to stop at women's bodies and controlling them. Their attacks on bodily autonomy and privacy will continue if they get their way. Now I know I surely left out some disaster, right? I haven't talked about the real effects of climate change that people are increasingly commenting on and are feeling here and abroad. The hundred other cultural disasters that we are witnessing, what remains right now is this, though. Something is not right here at home. 
institutions and groups and the fabric of what we hold dear as Americans is seriously threatened. From school boards to church denominations, you know how many schisms are happening right now in churches? Great. To the government. And I trust that we are all aware of some of what's happening around us. And so we come here. We come to this place for sanctuary, for respite, for a place to forget our worries for some moment, to mobilize, to recharge, to center our hearts and minds, to find the space to let our souls toil freely. To that we can just say, may it be so, amen. And for all of the, many of you have been through this, the pain and suffering organizations like ours go through to find their mission. Those of you that have served on boards have surely been through that. It's real great, right? But for all of the pain and suffering in that figuring out a mission, it's this simple, sanctuary. Sanctuary. But even that is hard to keep in balance sometimes. The pull of the world around us is incredibly seductive. Be angry, it tells us. Be angrier. And then go from anger to hate. Become hate. Embody hate. More hate. Now I'm all for righteous indignation, for holy anger, an anger that is beholden to love. But we must resist at all turns the temptation to be yet another house that partakes of the culture of hate, the irreparable division. I don't say it like it's easy. It's not. We could easily veer into a community that buries its head in the sand and hopes this all goes away. But we're the lucky ones. We get to hold the tension, the in-between. We love this world and this life, and we are unsettled. Our values teach us worth and dignity for all people. The key word is all. And sometimes the greatest dignity we can afford people is to hold them accountable for the evil they have wrought upon the world. We affirm the interdependent web of all existence, but we also see how distressed that web is how the strands are stretched thin, how some may take generations to repair. Now, all this might lead us to think, oh, great, wonderful, we're going to be a mopey house of despair and gloom. That's not the case. This is a sanctuary of the human spirit, the entire human spirit. And we bring our joy here, our celebration, friends and family and beloved people. Now more than ever, our need for one another our need for joy is paramount. I dream of people visiting this place, and they do. I hope they do. I hope they continue to. But I pray they visit this place and see this as a place of resistance and joy for what is yet to come. And that bit right there for what is yet to come should be a rallying cry of sorts. Unless something dramatically changes, unless progressive-minded folks do indeed vote this midterm, our values are on notice. We can no longer sustain ourselves, congratulating ourselves for being so free thinking. But we can show the world what it really means to be free thinking, to get our hands dirty, to know this struggle may last generations, and still come back here to celebrate, to sing, to laugh, to love. 
I've been thinking quite a bit about times past and how people have endured insurmountable struggles. I've been thinking about how slave communities in the United States wove together their spirituals and songs of freedom, sang them under the cover of night, and never gave up hope. A hope that was dangerous, life-threatening, and spanned generations. Just imagine for a moment, no promise of freedom in your lifetime, and yet, and yet they still sang hallelujah and amen, singing the story of freedom in the Exodus while dancing ecstatically in ring shouts, what some churches say I call praise breaking. The practice continues. Its roots go deep, and it serves a single purpose. Do not lose hope. And the songs still echo, Oh, my Lord, well, 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 run here, Jeremiah. I must go on my way. Who's riding in that chariot? I've been thinking about our Unitarian siblings in Romania. How under the totalitarian rule of Ceausescu, they watched in horror as their villages were burned or flooded because they believed in religious tolerance and freedom. They believed their allegiance was not to one man or one government, but to higher ideals. And they still believed it, even as all that remained of their villages was a church steeple poking out of the water. And still they sang their songs. Where there is faith, there is love. Where there is love, there is peace, they sang. Where there is peace, there is blessing. Where there is blessing, there is God. Where there is God, there is no need. I've been thinking of the women's suffrage movement. That's where this photo comes from. Specifically, the Unitarians and Universalists who are among the leadership. Susan B. Anthony comes to mind. And if you haven't seen images of that time and that movement, they are remarkable. Women marching through the streets on the steps of our Capitol buildings, not bringing destruction and hate, but a witness to their humanity. A voice that reminded the people's house of injustice. Susan B. Anthony once declared, let it be resolved that women of this nation in 1876 have greater cause for discontent, rebellion, and revolution than the men of 1776. How are her words landing with you today? For that movement, it led to a tireless struggle. Women's suffrage was not a passing blip in our history that was resolved. There was blood and sweat and despair and minor victories and several roadblocks and regression and countless lives dedicated to the cause. Susan B. Anthony never lived to see woman's suffrage, and she knew she wouldn't. If I could live another century, she exclaimed once, I do so want to see the fruition of the work of women in the past century. There is so much yet to be done. I see so many things I would like to do and say, but I must leave it for the younger generation. We old fighters have prepared the way, and it is easier than it was 50 years ago when I first got into the harness. Young blood, fresh with enthusiasm, must carry on the work. Does anyone know the history of the image up here? Oh, it's great. I love this image. It's simply stunning. Just look up women's suffrage images. They're all stunning. To see how organized, determined, and quite simply fierce that movement was. 
Now, this is the German act, Broadway actress, early Broadway actress in the 1900s, Hedwig Reicher. And this was seven years after Susan B. Anthony died in 1913. Here, Hedwig is portraying Columbia, Lady Columbia, the female personification of America. And at the women's suffrage procession in 1913, the first suffragist parade through Washington, D.C., and it took place a day before Woodrow Wilson's inauguration. And there she is, America, summoning the goddesses of justice, charity, liberty, peace, and hope to bestow blessings upon the women's movement and to deem it a worthy crusade. All that on the steps of the treasury building. It's enough to give you goosebumps thinking about it. This almost divine enactment on the steps, right? It makes you want to summon justice, charity, liberty, peace, and hope right now. Anyone have a spear in their car? <laughs> Those three moments in movements through time and place, but especially this 4th of July weekend, the women's suffrage movement, thinking about them has changed me. I felt like I was going to throw up all day the decision about Roe when Roe came out. I was just sick. Was it surprising? No. But it still tore my heart up in a way I cannot describe. Am I fearful? Absolutely. For my marriage? Yes. For my friends? Yes. For LGBTQ youth? Absolutely. To young women? Yes. For anyone anywhere that is now fearful and threatened? Yes. These words from Susan B. Anthony that you heard about her knowing she had done good work and yet the work will continue. They shifted something in me. It shifted in something in me and my perspective here for all of the work that's before us because we are called to the work of not just now, but generations. Many of us will not live to see the fruition of our work. But for fighters like Susan B. Anthony, that was not the point. The heart still hopes, right? We're human. The heart still hopes to see it unfold. But the point is to pass on something worthy to those yet to come, those who must carry on the work. And there's no greater cause than that. And it gave hope. It sustained hope. It allowed joy and celebration and renewal to occur. And yes, we must advocate and struggle for our values now. But also, just as we know we are not alone right now, right here, we need to trust that we are not alone in times yet to come. We trust that there will always be those among us, whether they're Unitarian Universalists or not, but those that hold our values and who will not give up and who will carry on. Those three communities I mentioned earlier, black communities today in churches across America are still singing and teaching songs of freedom. The struggle continues. The Unitarians in Romania still hold to their traditions, now struggling under yet another authoritarian regime. And women in our country, I need to tell you this, are again fighting for their autonomy as human beings. The work of generations continues. We will not solve this alone, right? But we can still be in the struggle. We each have a part. And I leave it to you, the congregation, a beloved people that I will support wherever you want to put your love and energy. 
I leave it for you to say yes to this moment. Now, as your minister, I have to remind you constantly, though, that the call to action, the call to purpose, the call to here and now is right here. Right here. And the only wrong answer is to ignore it, to pretend it isn't there, to say that this isn't our fight. You know, it's weird. This 4th of July weekend, especially looking at an image like this, thinking about communities who have endured throughout time, I still feel patriotic. I still have hope in what our republic could be. And at the same time, my heart is breaking into a million pieces. Maybe that's just how it should be. How is your heart broken in this world of ours lately? And how will that heartbreak lead you not to despair, but to a renewed hope? I believe such a thing is possible. I really do. Movements and fighters and people who've lived their values throughout history have shown this to be true. And for a place like this, our business is hope. This is a religious struggle for us. And people need hope. The worth and dignity and autonomy of women is a religious value. Your worth and dignity and autonomy is a religious value. This is a soul-searching, soul-enlivening, soulful work. Emerson would emphasize soul and more soul, soulful work for a place like ours. And so hope, real hope, Hope that doesn't get lost in the clouds. Hope that knows this is a long haul struggle. Hope that brings us back time and time and time again to laugh and love and cry and joyfully greet this fragile earth of ours. So it must be. Amen.